2: Roll it.
1: Backing is moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator Chris Paul, let's be reasonable. Truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Fewer people are convinced by the story each day as they begin to see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. The time for allowing them to make us feel like strangers in our own country is over. We are Americans. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. This is the end game. It's Friday. February 11th, 2022, the 387th day of dystopia. I have a lot I want to get to today, so if you want to follow me or the podcast, my writing, my other work, the merch site, or support financially, you can look right in the episode notes and you'll see all that. Let's start out with the illegitimate president. This is a clip from an interview he has done with NBC News' Lester Holt. And this is about as bad as it gets for performance in a political interview.
2: I have to draw your attention to that army report, an investigative report that's come out about the lead up to the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It, it interviewed many military officials and officers who said the administration ignored the handwriting on the wall. Uh, Another described trying to get folks in the embassy ready to evacuate, encountering uh, people who are essentially in denial of, of this situation. Does any of that ring true to you? No. No. That's not what I was told. That you were told that the U.S. administration officials were prepared, they knew it was time to get out? No. What I was told, no one told me that, look, there was no good time to get out. But if we had not gotten out, they acknowledged that we would have had to put a hell of a lot more troops back in. It wasn't just 2,000, 4,000. We would have to significantly increase the number of troops, and we were back in this this war of attrition. And And there was no way we were ever going to unite. Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, <laughs> Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. And so this is a much wiser thing to do. I just want to clarify, are you rejecting the conclusions or the the accounts that are in this army report? Yes, I am. So they're not not true?
3: I'm rejected. it.
1: It's hard to actually account for how bad that was. He couldn't think his way through any of that answer. He tried to hit the talking points and missed largely he stumbled through Ukraine no 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 uh Iraq no 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 Afghanistan uh, not neptune man mar mars uh uh marshals but then he actually just said that he denies that the army report is correct the supposed commander in chief of the US military thinks his army is undermining him And he is defending his fake administration in opposition to his military. And, you know, there are cuts and edits in that clip alone. They did this interview a few days ago and it still isn't out in full. They're just editing, trying to figure it out, trying to make sure the narratives all make sense by the time Joe Biden goes on television. And he is already under 40% in the real clear politics polling average because he's so weak on everything and they are rolling him out for interviews like this. Now, NBC is as commie as it gets and as in bed with the Democrat communist party as can be, they're still allowing Joe Biden to go out on the air like this. You have to think at this point, there is a concerted effort by the people In control because Biden is obviously in no control, but to take Biden out and replace him one way or another, whether it's the country begging that the 25th Amendment is exercised or who knows what. But Joe Biden's support, including from media, seems to be disappearing. And then we have this from CNN. Let's get to our new CNN poll numbers now, brand
3: new numbers, and you're going to see how inflation and broader doubts about the COVID recovery. Are dragging down the president's standing. Let's just go first to the threshold number you always focus on in a midterm election year. Do you approve of President Biden's job performance? Well, look at how bad these numbers are for the president. Only 4 in 10 Americans, 41% at the moment, approve of his job performance. Nearly 6 in 10, 58% disapprove. That's a tough number early in a midterm election year uh, for the president of the United States. Now, why is this happening? This is fascinating. We ask people, what has President Biden done for you that you approve of? of Americans, nearly 6 in 10 Americans, that means a decent amount of Democrats, said nothing. They disapprove of everything that has happened. Now, yes, the president would say, we passed the rescue plan. We passed the bipartisan infrastructure plan. It is not sinking in out in America. 56% of Americans say nothing. They disapprove of everything that has happened so far. 15% say the president has helped with the economy. 6% say the coronavirus. You see here personal traits, foreign policy, other issues. But that is a stunning number of the failure to communicate the legitimate successes. Of the Biden administration.
1: So thank you, John King, for the fabulous analysis there at the end. They're just not communicating what he's doing well enough. 56% of the country, according to CNN's poll, think Biden has done absolutely nothing that has turned out good for them. The only other number that even crossed double digits was his approval on the economy. And There's no one in their right mind except for the very, very wealthy people in the country who could possibly think that in a real way. Now, I am sure that there are plenty of child brains out there watching television and thinking, oh, he just told us they had really good job numbers last month. I guess he's doing such a great job. Fifteen percent of the country very well could believe that Biden has record-setting job growth, like he says. That's possible. 56% of the country thinks he has done nothing right the entire time. That is amazing. And the incredible thing is that he's still dropping. There is no sign anywhere that Biden has a chance at recovery in terms of any of these poll numbers or the public perception of him. He is weak. He is old. He's demented. He's clueless. And thank goodness. Because now people are waking up to the agenda that he is actually trying to bring in, which is the global communist agenda. The things that Joe Biden is doing, that his fake administration are doing, are all being done intentionally. He didn't look around and see problems and think, oh, these are the ways to fix these problems. They had a plan that they meant to implement. They put Joe Biden in there as a figurehead so that they could implement the plans under him, knowing full well that this is what would happen to the country. This is what they want. This is the global reset agenda. These things aren't happening by accident. These things aren't happening because of miscalculations. These things are happening because they are meant to happen. The idea that they're trying to improve America in some way is the lie. They are trying to take America to a level Where the citizens actually beg for the global communist agenda, and then America is joined with the rest of the world under a multilateral agreement. And then you have globalism. Now, I don't think anybody who listens to this show needs to be convinced that Joe Biden is serving illegitimately. The evidence is absolutely everywhere, and we'll get into more of it. But yesterday, Wendy Rogers, a state senator in Arizona, released an open letter to the citizens of America, and there are 204 elected representatives from around the country on this. These are state senators and state representatives who are willing to stand up and fight against election fraud. And we talked about a bunch of this yesterday. Hopefully all these people are doing so in good faith. And if that's the case, they will be first in line to be vetted and approved of by... The America First movement to the citizens of the United States. We, the undersigned state legislators of the United States, are vested with the plenary power by our U.S. Constitution. Article two, section one, clause two to oversee the election of the president of the United States. It has come to our attention from an audit of 2.1 million ballots in Arizona, complemented by an in-depth canvas of votes in Arizona, as well as through multiple different data reviews of voting by independent experts, that our representative republic suffered a corrupted 2020 election. In addition to Arizona, sworn affidavits have accumulated from many states detailing rampant corruption and mismanagement in the election process. Fraud and inaccuracies have already been shown through multiple audits and canvases in multiple states, as well as through lawsuits challenging the validity of election results in several counties in multiple states. We have come to the conclusion that all 50 states need to be forensically audited. Voter rolls should be scrubbed with a canvas of the voters to ensure future integrity of our elections. If results from these measures prove an inaccurate election was held, as has been shown in Arizona and is being shown in many other states, then it is clear that certification of many electors was improperly rendered in January 2021 of the November 2020 United States presidential election. We call on each state to decertify its electors, where it has been shown the elections were certified prematurely and inaccurately. If it is shown that either Joe Biden would receive fewer than 270 tallied electoral votes or donald trump would receive more than 270 electoral votes then we call for the u.s house of representatives to convene and vote per the u.s constitution by means of one vote per state to decide the rightful winner of the election in accordance with the constitutional process of choosing electors This is our historic obligation to restore the election integrity of the vote as the bedrock of our constitutional republic. If we do not have accurate and fair elections, we do not have a country. And I love this stuff. Okay. I understand that people are like, yeah, but that's not going to do anything. Yeah, man, I get it. Okay. That letter by itself is not going to flip the election. Okay, no one is saying that it is going to do that, but what it does do is show continued momentum toward that. This is more people signed on than a few months ago to this effort around the country, and more people will continue to sign on because the evidence at this point is everywhere. Again, Pennsylvania already ruled 2.6 million of those ballots from 2020 were not constitutional. Not legal, shouldn't have been counted, shouldn't have been certified. That's just the truth. It's not the court's job to overturn the election. That's not what that lawsuit was about. It was about whether or not Act 77 was constitutional. It was not. Therefore, everything flowing from Act 77 is also unconstitutional. Simple. Okay? Wisconsin, same thing. Court decision, about The validity of the indefinitely confined voter status, not valid. Court decision about the drop boxes for the mail-in ballots, not valid. All right. That's how that works. The case isn't about overturning the election. So the court's not going to turn over the election and they can't do that case. That is not their role for that case. They made the decision. They decided correctly. All of that was unconstitutional. That is part of the actual record of what's real in the world now. And of course, I know the Pennsylvania decision will be appealed. It won't matter. The reality is the reality. Pennsylvania did not implement Act 77 in a constitutional manner. True the vote is in six different states. Found out today they did work in Arizona and the Arizona legislature there knows about true the vote. They've presented that work to the Arizona legislature and Arizona Republicans like Rusty Bowers are still resisting that. True the vote took cell phone pings and coordinated the data and they have located hundreds of ballot harvesters bringing thousands of ballots for pay to drop boxes and they have video evidence of it. And the state legislators in Arizona, if you live in Arizona, your state legislators are aware of that evidence and they are doing nothing about it. Why? Well, people have got to start putting the pressure on if you want to get rid of corrupt people, if you want to have free and fair elections, this is how to do it. It's a process. All right. All of us would have loved if a giant force military or otherwise just shut shut down the whole thing and said this election is all fraudulent. Donald Trump is president. You guys were all right. All right. That's not how it went down. Okay. We still know the truth and we have to fight for the truth and we are getting ever closer to the truth. And that's why we keep going. All right. So be happy about progress when it comes. Be happy that the words in that letter will be seen by more eyes and heard by more ears. It is all a part of the process. There was a hearing yesterday in Wisconsin in front of the elections committee, and there were a lot of, you know, revelations that people like us would expect. It's good that this stuff is becoming more public. A lot of this stuff we have known about, at least in terms of the methods of cheating. But there's hard evidence now on all this, and they've put it before the state assembly in Wisconsin. There's a bunch of audio here. I posted it on the info stream. I'm not going to play all of it. Um, But here are some things they found. Wisconsin has 4 million adults. Okay, 4 million total adults. About 3.5 or 3.6 are involved, are registered and involved in the election process. But they have 7.1 million voters registered to vote in Wisconsin. So basically, there are two potential votes for every one person there. As long as there was a system to figure out which one of those people were really voting and which ones weren't that you could insert later. A system like early voting, for instance, would clear that up in a second. It's genius, really. They're just telling you, oh, we're just making it easier for people to vote. Now you're making it easier for you to cheat, and everyone can see that now. They have addresses that haven't existed for 10 years. 359 voters still registered at the address they Use as an example. They gave a couple of examples of apartments or houses like this, a two bedroom apartment with 26 registered voters in it. Now, apartments, you know, maybe they change tenants every year or two years, maybe it's six months, maybe there's a short term thing. So, you know, you could think maybe there'll be a few extra registered voters at this apartment or that apartment, you know, but for everyone who leaves in a year, somebody's there for 10 years, right? So, 26 registered voters in a two-bedroom apartment. That doesn't sound possible. 26 people over the age of 18, all living in a two-bedroom apartment? No. But they also found thousands of examples like that. 16-unit building with 290 registered voters. Sounds like a lot. A single-family home with 19 registered voters. Tens of thousands of those kinds of examples. And then what happens if you find out Those other ballots were voted from there. And of course, many of them were. Voters registered in the database with no first names. 625,000 dead people on Wisconsin's voter rolls. Why don't they purge those? That is the real question, ultimately, because this isn't a new problem that people just found out about. States have had bloated voter rolls forever. California had five million a few years ago. They told them to purge those rolls and they took like a million off. I bet there's more than five million now. So what we have around the country is literally tens of millions of voter registries that do not attach in a legal, by the book way to real voters. There might even be a hundred million. Who knows if there's three and a half million in Wisconsin? They showed evidence of double voting, examples of the same exact voter registration with different voter ID numbers voting. And they showed that in Hudson, Wisconsin, their population has grown by 10% since 2012 or from 2012 to 2020, but the registered voter number increased 128%. How does that happen? Anyone? How does that happen? Rock County, Wisconsin, 5.6% illegally cast ballots from voters who moved and phantom votes. 5.6% of the votes in one county were from voters who moved or did not otherwise exist in a legal manner to be voting in that county. That extrapolates to 4,795 in that county. And the man presenting all this information, his name is Peter Berniger. He said, even if we're off by 50 percent, which I know we're not, I go over these numbers every day for the last 14 months. That's one hundred sixty five thousand illegally cast ballots in Wisconsin, even if they're off by 50 percent. That's enormous in Wisconsin. They have one point five million illegal voter registrations. They have one hundred fifty five thousand suspected fake voters. And Berniger said, well, over, well, over. 50,000 illegally cast ballots that we can prove like they know this ballot is illegal. That ballot they can point to. Hey, that one's illegal. That has to be out. They can do that 50,000 times. Who does that mean is the winner? 50,000 fraudulent votes cast from phantom voters identified in Wisconsin. And 3,713 voters registered to U.S. post offices. You can't do that. You can't register at a post office box. But don't sweat it. We have the safest and most secure election of all time, according to CISA. And that is all that matters. Joe Biden is extremely legitimate and extremely popular as evidenced by his 81 million real legal American votes for sure. This is from Reuters today. EU investigates reports of menstrual disorders after MRNA COVID shots. Now. This is the sort of thing that all of us were talking about a year ago and being called conspiracy theorists for. It's a short article. I want to share it with you. The European Medicines Agency's Safety Committee said on Friday it was reviewing reports of heavy menstrual bleeding and absence of menstruation from women who had received COVID vaccines from Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna. This assessment was in view of reports of menstrual disorders after receiving either of the two vaccines, both based on messenger RNA technology. And it was not yet clear whether there was a causal link. The agency said, yeah, it's a mystery. And then Reuters writes the same sentence in their article again for some reason. Menstrual disorders can occur due to a range of underlying medical conditions, as well as from stress and tiredness, the EMA said, adding that cases of such disorders had also been reported following COVID-19 infection. And that is like their new get out of jail free card. Yeah, okay. I mean, the vaccine did this, but COVID could have done it, too. I mean... We hear of COVID doing it, and yeah, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't vaccinate this person, but they could have gotten COVID, and then that could have happened. Okay, so it's the spike protein is what you're saying, and you're still saying it's a good idea to inject people with the spike protein. Just want to make sure we're on the same page there. Vaccination against COVID-19 was linked with a small temporary change in menstrual cycle length. It's just small and temporary. According to a recent study funded by the National Institutes of Health, which collected data from nearly 4,000 users of a smartphone app that tracks menstrual cycles. Yeah, that's not creepy. But the EMA said in December it had not established a link between changes in menstrual cycles and COVID-19 vaccines after a study in Norway suggested some women had heavier periods after being inoculated. And I kind of feel like these shots don't qualify as inoculation, but you gotta love how they say there hasn't been a link established. Yes, we have this study and that study and that study and that study and that study, all pointing to the same thing. But we can't really establish a causal link. Meanwhile, when it comes to masks, there's no way they physically can work. There's no proof they do work. There are basically no studies even hinting that they might work, but nonetheless, better safe than sorry. They've really got that better safe than sorry calculation down pat. Something with known and obvious downsides and no upsides, better safe than sorry. That calculation could only make sense if you already assume that it is 100% true that masks must provide some level of protection. Not true. Same thing with the shots. Just not true. It would be nice if they could apply the same standards. They apply to the things they don't want to be true as the things they do want to be true. And I want to cover one more quick thing and then get into this really kind of crazy stuff. This is from The Federalist Today. Pressure on Spotify to censor now includes blue state pension plans. This is Margot Cleveland. Earlier this week, Reuters reported that New York State controller Thomas DiNapoli sent a letter to Spotify CEO Daniel Eck expressing concern about the streaming platform hosting controversial content. While this incident seems no different than other attempts by governmental officials to prompt the private censorship of speech, DeNapoli's calls on Spotify to remove misinformation related to COVID-19 differ in kind and thus constitutionality from the demands made by other politicians, such as Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Dear Mr. Eck, DeNapoli opened... I write as trustee of the New York State Common Retirement Fund, one of the largest public pension funds in the United States, which holds and invests the assets of the New York State and local retirement system on behalf of its 1.1 million members, retirees and beneficiaries. As an investor in Spotify technology, S.A., the letter continued, I am writing to express my concerns regarding the ongoing controversies related to Spotify's content management practices. With that introductory paragraph, DiNapoli removed his inquiries to Spotify from the realm of veiled threats that might trigger a First Amendment violation to expressing concerns as a shareholder. In other words, DiNapoli spoke in his letter to Spotify not as a sovereign, but as an investor. Yes, a very large and powerful investor, but an investor nonetheless. In his letter, DiNapoli expressed concerns over supposed misinformation related to the COVID-19 pandemic, a clear reference to the continuing controversy over Joe Rogan's podcast. Yet his targeting of Spotify mirrors the efforts DiNapoli used as the trustee for the, quote, largest public pension fund in the United States, end quote, to challenge other corporate practices. For instance, the same week DiNapoli wrote Spotify in his position as trustee for the New York State Common Retirement Fund, he also, quote, filed shareholder proposals with portfolio companies Activision, Blizzard Incorporated, Tesla Incorporated, and Starbucks Corporation, requesting they report on their efforts to prevent harassment and discrimination against employees and steps taken to improve workforce management. DiNapoli similarly announced on February 9th, 2022, that the retirement fund he oversaw would, quote, restrict investments in 21 shale oil and gas producing companies, Including Pioneer Natural Resources Co., Hess Corp., and Chesapeake Energy Corp., such restrictions, De Napoli explained, support his quote, "comprehensive climate action plan," end quote, that seeks to quote, transition the fund's investment portfolio to net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040. End quote. Pioneer, Hess, and Chesapeake quote failed to demonstrate they are prepared for the transition to a low carbon economy according to the New York controller, justifying his ban on investing in those other companies. So the revelation that DiNapoli is using his cloud as the trustee for the largest American public pension plan to pressure Spotify to censor Rogan and other speech with which he disagrees should come as no shock, nor should the right view the threat as one caused by the symbiotic relationship between the government and big tech. Yes, that is a problem in many cases, but here, DiNapoli's epistle points out a different problem. DiNapoli's letter exposes the risk to free speech and the free market caused by a government that employs a large swath of her citizens and then provides them generous post-employment pension benefits funded by corporate investments chosen by elected and appointed officials based on politics and policy instead of profit. In short, the First Amendment has no say here, and DeNapoli's push for Spotify to censor Rogan or anyone else has no remedy outside of the ballot box. Conversely, when politicians such as Warren issue veiled threats to Amazon or other distributors, suggesting they may face potential legal consequences for selling certain books that contain supposed COVID-19 misinformation, the First Amendment provides a check on such intimidation by the sovereign. The First Amendment, however, is not robust enough to restrain government officials when big tech or big business shares the same aim, limiting conservative voices or controversial speech, because in that case, no threat is needed. A mere entreaty by a politician or press secretary to Spotify or another offending platform to do more will be enough to prompt the stifling of objectionable voices. While the First Amendment prohibits government intimidation, non-coercive requests qualify as constitutionally permissible government expression or government speech. And under the government speech doctrine, the government as the speaker is entitled to say what it wishes and to select the views that it wants to express, including by favoring or disfavoring different views and by asking private companies to do the same. In short, even within constitutional bounds, the government can do much to silence speech with which it disagrees, which is why conservatives are wise to begin building their own ecosystems. But true wisdom will also require foresight in financing these ventures, or the startups might soon find themselves under the thumb of Democrat-controlled pension plans, and then all will be for naught. And that is really some amazing and disturbing stuff, okay? The New York controller is investing the pension funds in companies like Spotify and then exerting control over those companies based on a veiled threat to pull that money out of the company. And one of the things you're seeing emerge here is a truth about who big tech companies consider their customers, okay? Yes, you pay $10 a month for your Spotify premium or whatever, right? Or maybe you just listen on Spotify for free and you listen to some ads every now and then. Who cares? Okay? They get your data. They know what you're listening to. They can obviously put and favor certain messages over others, certain music over another, whatever. Just one example out of multiple big tech companies. But ultimately, they're not catering to you, right? They could lose millions of customers by leaving Rogan on or probably millions more by taking him off. But in some way, that doesn't really matter because their investors want something else and they have all of this pension money. By the way, these Democrat communist states were all in great debt. Their pension systems were underwater by tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. California, New York in particular. And then they got bailed out. Once Joe Biden got into office and we got the new COVID relief package and now all of a sudden Democrat governors go out and boast about how their states are financially solvent. They took American taxpayer money into the federal government and then made pension funds in the communist states solvent by taking on more national debt that the taxpayers will eventually have to pay because we don't have it. So they gave all that money to the communist states and then the communist states take that money and then they invest it in the preferred corporations and then they control them. Isn't that something else? And of course, the craziest thing about this is that they are rewarding themselves and they are forcing these corporations to reward them again because they are expanding the size of their government to make it as big as possible so that the Government becomes the business. It becomes the way people live. They want these government employees. They are able to purchase their labor under market value by promising them that when they retire, they're going to keep getting paid for the rest of their lives. That's what the deal is. And on the worker's side, if that seems like a reasonable thing to you, a thing that provides stability in your later years, great. They have that option You can't blame someone for making that rational calculation and choosing to do that. But the state doesn't have the same thing going on. The state continues to grow the size of the government, which means more people come in who are eventually going to be pensioners. And as that population ages and the numbers continue to increase while aging, the pension deficits balloon to the points they were at. And then something just has to magically come in and save them. And all the while, they are busy stifling American speech or distorting markets in favor of their Green New Deal agenda. So yet another thing that people need to wake up to and eventually fix. Okay, now let's get a little weirder and try to connect some dots here. Okay, these are some stories that may not initially seem linked I think that there is a link, and I want to tell you about what I think it is, and I might be wrong, but we'll see. So this is from Bloomberg on Tuesday, February 8th. Twitter tells U.S. Senator it's cutting ties to Swiss tech firm. Twitter Incorporated told a U.S. Senator is cutting ties with a European technology company that helped it send sensitive passcodes to its users via text message. The social media firm said in a disclosure to U.S. Senator Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, that it is transitioning its service away from working with Mido AG, according to a Wyden aide. A co-founder of Mido operated a service that helps governments secretly surveil and track mobile phones, according to former employees and clients, as Bloomberg News and London-based Bureau of Investigative Journalism reported in December. Twitter cited media reports as the motivating factor behind its decision. The Widen aide said, "Several other companies have allegedly already cut ties with Mido. In recent weeks, messaging companies, KaliRa, I guess, and MessageBird have both ceased commercial relationships with Mido, According to three people familiar with the matter, a Twitter representative declined to comment. A spokesman for Mido, which is based in Zug, Switzerland, or Zug, or Zug said in an emailed statement that the company, quote, does not disclose information about its business partners through any channel, official or unofficial. Full stop. Generally, such agreements are mutual in nature, with both parties agreeing to protect the privacy and integrity of the other, end quote. That should make you all feel safe. Closely held, Mido works with leading telecommunications companies to deliver text messages in bulk to billions of phones around the world, according to its website and promotional documents. Mido sends out automated text messages for such things as sales promotions, appointment reminders, and two-factor security codes needed to log in to online accounts. However, Mido's co-founder and chief operating officer, Ilya Gorilik, was also allegedly selling access to Mido's networks to secretly locate people via their mobile phones and in some cases obtain their call logs, Bloomberg reported. The Mido venture also allegedly involved exploiting weaknesses in a telecommunication protocol known as SS7 or Signaling System 7, a sort of switchboard for the global telecommunications industry. A Mido representative previously said that the company had no involvement in any surveillance business And had launched an internal investigation, quote, to determine if our technology and business has been compromised, end quote, and would take corrective action if necessary. Mido representatives allegedly informed some clients that Gorelick was no longer involved at the company. And so that struck me as very strange because Twitter has all sorts of weird stuff going on. And I think we're all familiar with getting one of those text messages that gives you the little code that you have to put into your phone, to your app sometimes on the computer for two-factor authentication. So we know how widely these sorts of things are used. Interesting technology they have that it can also be used to track where you are and expose your call logs. None of that is good. But what was very interesting to me was why this went through Ron Wyden. I mean, Ron Wyden is a Democrat-Communist to the nth degree. And for just one example, backing that up, here's an article from mid-December last year, Wyden blocks Uyghur forced labor bill. Senator Ron Wyden, this is National Review, by the way, Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon is standing in the way of legislation to crack down on Chinese Communist Party perpetrated Uyghur slavery. For the third time in a month, Senator Marco Rubio sought a Senate vote on the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act bipartisan legislation to end the import of forced labor-produced goods, and for the third time in a month, a congressional Democrat blocked the measure. Since Rubio's abortive effort to insert the legislation into the annual defense bill, he successfully prodded Speaker Nancy Pelosi to instead allow a vote on the House's version of the Uyghur legislation, which passed resoundingly. The House and the Senate, as of this week, had ironed out a consensus draft of the legislation, which borrowed the strongest enforcement provisions from Rubio's and Representative Jim McGovern's versions, and the House once again voted on it. Even the White House came out this afternoon with a pledge that President Biden would sign the Uyghur bill. This is significant because for months, the administration declined to endorse the legislation, and reports indicated that top administration officials opposed the bill. But facing public pressure, and with the COP26 summit and Biden's first virtual meeting with Xi Jinping in the rearview mirror, the White House relented. But others picked up the baton blocking the legislation when Rubio sought a vote on the legislation this evening. Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut and Wyden said they would block a vote unless they could get votes on the president's diplomatic nominees and an extension of the child tax credit, respectively. Rubio agreed to Murphy's demand for a vote on President Biden's nominations for ambassador to China and two other State Department posts, but he declined Wyden's request. Wyden then blocked Rubio's request to approve the bill by unanimous consent. Rubio pointed out the absurdity in all of this, citing the widespread bipartisan opposition to Wyden's request. It cannot pass unanimously. And even if it could and it did pass, we would have to send it back over to the House, not to the president, when the House isn't even in session until January 10th. Even with a ridiculous flap over overwhelmingly bipartisan legislation and a Biden administration lobbying campaign out of the way, enacting a law to confront a modern genocide continues to face unseemly hurdles. And Ron Wyden is obviously one of the biggest of those. Now, last night, the Washington Post reported this CIA has secret program that collects American data. The CIA has a secret undisclosed data repository that includes information collected about Americans, two Democrats on the Senate Intelligence Committee said. While neither the agency nor lawmakers would disclose specifics about the data, the senators alleged the CIA had long hidden details about the program from the public and Congress. Senators Ron Wyden of Oregon and Martin Heinrich of New Mexico sent a letter to top intelligence officials calling for more details about the program to be declassified. Large parts of the letter, which was sent in April 2021 and declassified Thursday, and documents released by the CIA were blacked out. Weiden and Heinrich said the program operated, quote, outside the statutory framework that Congress and the public believe govern this collection, end quote. There have long been concerns about what information the intelligence community collects domestically, driven in part by previous violations of American civil liberties. The CIA and National Security Agency have a foreign mission and are generally barred from investigating Americans or U.S. businesses, but the spy agency's sprawling collection of foreign communications often snares Americans' messages and data incidentally. And this is a very, very common thing. They will route their spying through other countries. That's what the Five Eyes Network is there to do. The CIA can't spy on Americans. So instead, they outsource what they're not legally allowed to do to other countries, and then they share the results. Intelligence agencies are required to take steps to protect U.S. information, including redacting the names of any Americans from reports unless they are deemed relevant to an investigation. The process of removing redactions is known as unmasking. CIA recognizes and takes very seriously our obligation to respect the privacy and civil liberties of U.S. persons in the conduct of our vital national security mission. Christy Scott, the agency's private and civil liberties officer, said in a statement, CIA is committed to transparency, consistent with our obligation to protect intelligence sources and methods. It's so good for the CIA to respond in a statement and tell us absolutely nothing is wrong. And we take care of your data because you're Americans. The CIA released a series of redacted recommendations about the program issued by an oversight panel known as the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board. According to the document, a pop-up box warned CIA analysts using the program that seeking any information about U.S. citizens or others covered by privacy laws requires a foreign intelligence purpose. However, analysts are not required to memorialize the justification for their queries, the board said. Both senators have long pushed for more transparency from the intelligence agencies. Nearly a decade ago, a question Wyden posed to the nation's spy chief presaged critical revelations about the NSA's mass surveillance programs. Got it? Wyden's one of the good guys. In 2013, Wyden asked then director of national intelligence James Clapper if the NSA collected, quote, any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans. End quote. Clapper initially responded, no. He later said, not wittingly. Former systems administrator Edward Snowden later that year revealed the NSA's access to bulk data through U.S. Internet companies and hundreds of millions of call records from telecommunications providers. Those revelations sparked worldwide controversy and new legislation in Congress. Clapper would later apologize in a letter to the Senate Intelligence Committee, calling his response to widen clearly erroneous. According to Widen and Heinrich's letter, the CIA's bulk collection program operates outside of laws passed and reformed by Congress, but under the authority of Executive Order 12333, the document that broadly governs intelligence community activity and was first signed by President Ronald Reagan in 1981. It is critical that Congress not legislate without awareness of a CIA program and that the American public not be misled into believing that the reforms in any reauthorization legislation fully cover the IC's collection of their records. The senators wrote in their letter, there was a redaction in the letter before CIA program. And that refers to the paragraph I just read above. There's a little dot 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 where the redaction would be. Additional documents released by the CIA Thursday also revealed limited details about a program to collect financial data against the Islamic State. That program also has incidentally snared some records held by Americans. Just some. Don't worry. Intelligence agencies are subject to guidelines on the handling and destruction of Americans' data. Those guidelines and laws governing intelligence activity have evolved over time in response to previous revelations about domestic spying. The FBI spied on the U.S. civil rights movement and secretly recorded the conversations of Dr. Martin Luther King. The CIA, in what was called Operation Chaos, investigated whether the movement opposing the Vietnam War had links to foreign countries. These reports raise serious questions about the kinds of information the CIA is vacuuming up in bulk and how the agency exploits that information to spy on Americans. Patrick Toomey, a lawyer for the American Civil Liberties Union, said in a statement, the CIA conducts these sweeping surveillance activities without any court approval and with few, if any, safeguards imposed by Congress. And all of a sudden, the woke ACLU is back to doing their job. Doubtful. Also doubtful that Ron Wyden is doing anything to protect Americans' privacy or from intelligence agency overreach. And I want to share with you their press release. This is Wyden and Heinrich. Newly declassified documents reveal previously secret CIA bulk collection problems with CIA handling of Americans' information. Senators call for critically needed transparency about CIA bulk collection documents declassified at Wyden and Heinrich's request. U.S. Senator Ron Wyden and Senator Martin Heinrich, both members of the Senate Intelligence Committee, called for new transparency about bulk surveillance conducted by the Central Intelligence Agency following the release of documents that revealed a secret bulk collection program and problems with how the agency searches and handles Americans' information. Widen and Heinrich requested the declassification of a report by the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board on a CIA bulk collection program in a letter sent April 13th, 2021. The letter, which was declassified and made public today, reveals that the CIA has secretly conducted its own bulk program authorized under Executive Order 12333 rather than the laws passed by Congress. Now, one thing to take note of is that the middle of April 2021, that's what, nine, ten months ago? Why was the letter classified? What was in that letter that can now be declassified? Now it's safe for everybody to see. Back then, not safe. The letter notes that the program was, quote, entirely outside the statutory framework that Congress and the public believe govern this collection and without any of the judicial, congressional or even executive branch oversight that comes from FISA collection. That's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. FISA gets all the attention because of the periodic congressional reauthorizations and the release of DOJ, ODNI and FISA court documents, said Senators Wyden and Heinrich in response to the newly declassified documents. But what these documents demonstrate is that many of the same concerns that Americans have about their privacy and civil liberties also apply to how the CIA collects and handles information under executive order and outside the FISA law. In particular, these documents reveal serious problems associated with warrantless backdoor searches of Americans, the same issue that has generated bipartisan concern in the FISA context. Well, there are a lot of issues that generate concern over the FISA process, and we're going to see a lot more about that process coming out as John Durham's investigation moves forward. But we know on some level how FISAs were used in Setting up and creating the Russia hoax, they used the fake steel dossier that was funded by Hillary Clinton and the DNC to get FISA warrants and then spy on people in Donald Trump's campaign and around the periphery like Carter Page. Wyden and Heinrich called for more transparency from the CIA, including what kinds of records were collected and the legal framework for the collection. The PCLOB report noted problems with the CIA's handling and searching of Americans information under the program. While we appreciate the release of the recommendations from the PCLOB staff, which highlights problems associated with the handling of Americans' information, our letter also stressed that the public deserves to know more about the collection of this information. The DNI and the CIA director have started this process. We intend to continue to urge them to achieve the transparency the American people deserve. And here is their letter from April 13th, 2021. This is, to Avril Haines, the Director of National Intelligence, and William Burns, the Director of the CIA. And there are significant redactions in this letter still, including the first word of the letter. We are writing to request an expedited declassification review of the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Boards, Executive Order 12333, Central Intelligence Agency Deep Dive 2. The review covers the CIA's bulk redaction, During your confirmation process, you expressed a commitment to greater transparency and an appreciation for how secret interpretations of law undermine Democratic oversight and pose risks to the long term credibility of the intelligence community. The secret nature of CIA's activities described in the PCLOB report raise these very concerns. And then there is a massive like two paragraph long redaction. This history demonstrates Congress's clear intent expressed over many years and through multiple pieces of legislation to limit and in some cases prohibit the warrantless collection of Americans records, as well as the public's intense interest in and support for these legislative efforts. And yet throughout this period, the CIA has secretly conducted its own bulk program. It has done so entirely outside the statutory framework that Congress and the public believe govern this collection and without any of the judicial, congressional or even executive branch oversight that comes with FISA collection. This basic fact has been kept from the public and from Congress until the PCLOB report was delivered last month. The nature and full extent of the CIA's collection was withheld even from the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Isn't that great? Among the many details the public deserves to know are the nature of the CIA's relationship with its sources and the legal framework for the collection, the kinds of records collected, redaction, The amount of Americans' records maintained, and the rules governing the use, storage, dissemination, and queries, including U.S. person queries, of the records. Each of these matters has been the subject of extensive declassifications with regard to the NSA's and FBI's FISA collection. There is no reason why CIA's activities cannot be equally transparent. This declassification is urgent, and then another huge redaction. It is critical that Congress not legislate without awareness of a CIA program. And there was a redaction before CIA there, too, and that the American public not be misled into believing that the reforms in any reauthorization legislation fully cover the IC's collection of their records. Third, expeditious declassification will demonstrate the administration's commitment to transparency at a time when trust in government and the intelligence community have never been more important. In addition to prioritizing the declassification of the Deep Dive 2 report for the reasons we describe above we request you conduct a declassification review of the PCLOB's two other Executive Order 12333 reports. Finally, we request that you declassify this letter. Thank you for your attention to this important matter. And 10 months later, they declassify that letter I just read to you, still with the redactions. So we have a company that can access hundreds of millions of people's phones to send them text messages or reveal their location or call logs. Working with Twitter, we know that Twitter has relations with the government that's in place right now, the illegitimate government, and the Democrat Communist Party in charge of the illegitimate government. We know that because they work on censorship issues together at the very, very minimum, okay? There are a lot of rumors and hints about Twitter's relationship With the U.S. intelligence community. So Mido is its own thing. And that got filtered and released through communist Ron Wyden. Why did that go through Ron Wyden? And why did this go through Ron Wyden? Because what the Washington Post just revealed last night. And you know there's been reporting about this. But now it's mainstream. It's a different kind of thing. Now they are willing to tell the public in general, that the CIA has this massive data collection program. And by the way, Middo didn't just work with Twitter. They also work with Google, WhatsApp, LinkedIn, Telegram, TikTok, Tencent, and Alibaba. So that's a whole lot of data they might have access to. And Edward Snowden responded on Twitter last night to this Washington Post revelation, and he said, you are about to witness an enormous political debate in which the spy agencies and their apologists on TV tell you this is normal and okay. And the CIA doesn't know how many Americans are in the database or even how they got there anyway, but it is not okay. And I think that we can take Edward Snowden seriously in his assessment of this. Now, this is where it gets weird, okay? Because there's at least some indication that the program being discussed here, though not named is either part of directly linked to or itself a program called hammer okay and people have heard hammer and scorecard before and i want to try to give you a little information about what those are because there is a possibility here and i want to tune your minds into this possibility i cannot confirm this i cannot say that any more clearly okay this is speculation i am connecting dots I am not certain I am right, but I want this out there. So it's something to think about and look for hints toward in case this turns out to be what I think it might be. So hammer and scorecard have come up throughout the last, I don't know, 10 years at various times. People have talked about them in terms of mostly election fraud, but that wasn't the only thing it's capable of doing. And of course, everybody who does talk about that is called a conspiracy theorist. And then they have fact checks like this one from PolitiFact on November 9th of 2020. And I want to see what information we can extract out of this fact check, because often these fact checks will try to examine something very particular and say that that thing is not at all true with a lot of distracting tactics in the meantime to lead you astray from what the true part of the claim actually is okay a cnn video shows hammer scorecard voter software fraud in real time so that is the claim that they're going to debunk in their little fact check debunking the hammer and scorecard election fraud conspiracy theory if your time is short (laughs) if you don't want to read just trust us The government's head of cybersecurity declared the hammer and scorecard theory to be, quote, nonsense. You got that? So Chris Krebs, the man who said it was the safest and most secure election of all time, said nonsense in quotes. We don't know what the sentence was he actually said at this point, but your time is short. So just understand that a guy you've never heard of and don't know anything about says it's nonsense. Don't worry. As evidence of 2020 election meddling, the theory cites CNN election night coverage of the 2019 Kentucky governor's race that briefly shows inconsistent results in favor of the Democrat, who ultimately won by more than 5,000 votes. Oh, is that all people saw on the TV? Got it. There is no indication of voter fraud in the 2019 Kentucky governor's race. And that's all you need if your time is short. So now you can just ignore the entire thing. Isn't that great? Some fans of President Donald Trump are sharing the theory that a package of CIA computer programs have hacked the 2020 election. One program called Hammer cracks into protected networks, while another called Scorecard changes vote totals. Pamela Geller, a right wing activist and Trump supporter, has posted more than one piece about Hammer and Scorecard. On November 9th, her website Geller Report offered an item headlined Hammer Scorecard Voter Software Fraud in Real Time. Geller offered a video clip taken from CNN's 2019 election coverage of the Kentucky governor's race that she called vote switching right in front of your eyes. Geller's post was flagged as part of Facebook's efforts to combat false news and misinformation on its news feed. And you can trust them. I mean, they got covid completely right. Before we dive in, let's be clear that independent election security researchers see no evidence that hammer and scorecard exist. And that the head of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, a government body created by President Donald Trump in twenty eighteen, has said this theory of election interference is, quote, nonsense. And they show a tweet from Chris Krebs here to be clear on the thing he's quoting. I'm specifically referring to the hammer and scorecard nonsense. It's just that nonsense. This is not a real thing. Don't fall for it and think twice before you share. It's always good when the environmental sciences major who's running the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency can wave his hand, call something nonsense, and then everyone in the world immediately has to trust that person or be labeled a conspiracy theorist. This is their proof that it's not a thing because Chris Krebs said so. That's what they've given us so far. With that, let's take a look at the CNN evidence that Geller takes to be telling. And now is when you get pushed off to the side to talk about something other than hammer and scorecard. The video consists of a man giving a running commentary on shifting result totals in the 2019 Kentucky governor's race in which Democrat Andy Bashir defeated re incumbent Republican Matt Bevin. At one key moment in CNN's live broadcast, the vote totals change inconsistently. A large graphic shows Bashir with a total of 674,508 votes, while a smaller running total at the bottom of the screen gives him 673,948. According to the man giving the commentary, the total at the bottom of the screen runs behind the more current one on the larger graphic. In that light, a difference of 560 votes makes sense. The one on the bottom has yet to catch up. But at that same moment, Bevan's totals show 661,675 on the large graphic, while the one on the bottom shows 662,235. That's 560 votes less than the most up-to-date one on the big graphic. In the view of Geller and the man speaking on the video, the fraud is obvious. You have just seen 25% of the loss amount of this race happen in front of your very eyes, the man giving the commentary said. In the final official tally, Bashir won by over 5,000 votes. Is this proof of shenanigans? Two election security experts we reached were unimpressed. You got that? That is what you just have to trust. Two election security experts say that they're not impressed. Oh, that's just not enough for us to even take this seriously. No sign of hammer and scorecard. The broader issue here is that the election night results are not official said Massachusetts Institute of Technology professor Charles Stewart III. There's a post-election canvas period when results are checked and mistakes spotted and corrected. And of course, that too is a diversion from what is actually happening with the reporting, the Edison reporting, which is what goes up on screen. And there was plenty of discussion after the election last year about all that. And you can go look into that if you want to. Stewart said there's a key flaw in the theory that the purported software package of Hammer and Scorecard could intercept the digital transmission of vote results and change them. He said that the states that do send data that way also keep the data tapes of votes from the original machines. You're just not allowed to see them. The results only become official after the election department has compared the paper tapes, which are immune to supposed hack (laughs) to the initially transferred results, Stewart said. The CNN election night results are, quote, the sports aspect of elections, not the binding results, end quote, said statistics professor at the University of California, Berkeley, Philip Stark. And we talked a bunch about Philip Stark when he was involved with the New Hampshire audit that was briefly made a big deal of and then quickly hidden last year. Stark cautioned. That no election system comes with 100% ironclad protection against hacking. Isn't that strange? The guy they're quoting says it's totally possible. Nothing is perfect and they are all vulnerable, Stark said. He advocates for greater use of paper ballots and careful post-election audits. But that said, Stark sees no evidence that any results have been altered in this election or past ones. Regarding the CNN inconsistencies, he noted that CNN contracted for the data feed from a third-party vendor. That puts CNN's number even further removed from the official tally. Stark said nothing in the CNN example holds up. And that's fine, because this isn't about that. That's not what I'm calling your attention to. But absolutely none of this so far has proven any of the stuff they're pretending it proves. That's not how anyone would hack an election, Stark said. If you really wanted to change the total, you would not change it on election night where everyone could see it. You would change it in the voting tabulation system. But thank goodness we're told those are offline and you can't do it there either, right? And for those who think Hammer and Scorecard were deployed in the 2020 election, Stark said that raises the question of why skeptics look only at the presidential race. If the motivation was to put the Democrats in power, why didn't they flip the Senate? Stark posed. Biden will have a hard time without the Senate. Why would you leave the job half done? And again, not the point. This is so not the point. The uniparty is what is important. It's not Democrat or Republican. And of course, Philip Stark is not advanced enough in his thinking to consider that possibility that actually they're just fine with having a controlled opposition in office, knowing that the controlled opposition is going to give them what they want, just like the Democrats will. This is once again a logical disaster based on the totally anti-factual notion that the Democrat Party and the Republican Party are actually in opposition in some way, yes, Supporters of both parties may be in opposition, and yes, people might have actual different philosophies about how the country should be governed and what their priorities are, but if they're all serving the same masters in the uniparty that keeps them in office for decade after decade and keeps their pockets lined with corrupt and fraudulent business deals and insider stock trades, then there's no actual opposition there. So to say That if they were cheating, they would have given Democrats wins in every election is just insane. That doesn't make any sense. You don't cheat in a way that everybody's going to know. Of course, they did do that and everybody is going to know, but that's not how they go into it. They want to present results that Americans will believe while they get everything they want. One of the main promoters of the hammer and scorecard theory is a discredited military contractor who claims to have created them. And they're talking about Dennis Montgomery here. They link to an article in the Daily Beast by the communist clown Will Summer, who wrote a hit piece on Dennis Montgomery. And we're just supposed to now take that as fact. PolitiFact must have checked out. Will Summers article and realize that everything in there is true so that they could tell the world that it is a politifact checked fact that Dennis Montgomery is a discredited contractor who claims to have created them, but probably didn't. And it's incredible. It is honestly incredible that they write claims to have created hammer and scorecard. Why don't they tell us whether or not he did? Why are they just trying to generate doubt in their readers who trust them? Oh, he claims it. Oh, but he's discredited. That means he's probably lying about his claim of creating hammer and scorecard. So we can't trust him at all. And hammer and scorecard are probably fake. And we don't have to worry about any of this at all. None of it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. These fact checks are a joke. We asked Geller to respond to the issues raised above. She didn't address the specific matters, but said that she sees ample evidence of fraud, including eyewitness accounts of tens of thousands of ballots coming in the back door that should give even you pause. Despite your baked in far left bias, we have debunked multiple claims of fraud, including 14,000 dead people voting in Michigan and poll workers in Pennsylvania filling out ballots. Oh, they've PolitiFact has debunked everything. I guess we're good to go. PolitiFact has debunked it. Everything has been declared, debunked, nothing to see here. Our ruling. Geller said that a 2019 CNN video clip shows the work of purported CIA-built hacking software hammer and scorecard in action. The clip shows a momentary glitch in election night totals. We also have a bunch of those other clips in other elections too, but we don't need to fact check it more than once, right? The head of the government agency created by Trump to protect against cyber attacks called the hammer and scorecard theory nonsense. Okay. Chris Krebs also called the election the safest and most secure election of all time. And people have run with that for the last year and a half. Is it true? No, it's not true at all. Election security experts said election night totals are distinct from official results and post-election day vetting by state officials catches discrepancies between local results and totals calculated at the central office. They also noted that if someone truly wanted to steal an election, the example Geller cited makes no practical sense. We rate this claim pants on fire. Now, their entire PolitiFact fact check depends on you trusting one single word from Chris Krebs and not knowing anything else about Chris Krebs or what CISA does or Chris Krebs role in anything. You just have to accept he's an expert. Trump placed him there. That means he's on Trump's side and he says it's nonsense. Therefore, it is nonsense. Got it, child brains. That's how it works in a fact check. They also have tried to say that hammer and scorecard may not exist at all even though Dennis Montgomery claims to have created it, but he's discredited. So we should just assume that they don't exist at all. And then we have an elections expert who says that the Democrat Party would have just given themselves all the wins if they were able to do so, which also is not true. So this fact check has proved absolutely none of the things it purports to be proving, least of all the non-existence of hammer and scorecard or the fact that hammer and scorecard can be used in elections. But could they also be tracked in elections? Could you track an election with hammer and scorecard? And could you find out if perhaps those machines that are connected all around the country are actually communicating offshore? I bet you can. And who says that he has that information? Well, that's Mike Lindell. And is Mike Lindell's information just nonsense? No. Did anybody win the $5 million looking at his PCAP information? No. Have people been analyzing that since August? Yeah. Is it in the hands of experts now? Also, yeah. Does Mike Lindell have whistleblower status? Yes. Why? And it's funny, isn't it, that Mike Lindell has talked about Dennis Montgomery before? Isn't it also funny that at the Cyber Symposium, Mike Lindell referred to a man named Larry Johnson, who often publishes articles in the Gateway Pundit? who is CIA. And that was not just something Lindell said out of nowhere that day. That's something people have been saying for a long time. Larry Johnson goes after Dennis Montgomery all the time. He also goes after Lynn Wood, he also goes after Tory Morass. Now, you might have a problem with all those people and think that Larry Johnson is some kind of sage giving you all the perfect wisdom. But I don't believe that for a second. And as Lindell's information Gets closer and closer to seeing a courtroom and seeing the light of day, it is highly suspect that compromised and corrupted politicians and news outlets are beginning to report on a CIA data capture program. You know, just so the public is aware of it and it doesn't all hit them at once, when they leak stuff out over time, it becomes kind of passive information that you just have a vague understanding of and feel that you can ignore because you've heard about it before. This is how the mainstream media operates. They never give you all the truth at one time. They'll give you a bunch of narrative to steer you off course with little tiny morsels of truth inside it. And it seems pretty clear that that's what they're doing here. So the question is why? And I'm not sure But I believe that the answer is because this program they're referring to is or is related to hammer. There are certainly parties that understand the things that people like me have been saying that people like Donald Trump have been saying that people like Mike Lindell have been saying are not wrong, right? Fine. The general public doesn't understand much about election fraud and doesn't really fully believe that it happened. I think that we're well over a majority at this point that knows Joe Biden didn't really win that election, but they probably haven't deeply investigated what actually happened or tried to understand these kind of esoteric issues around the edges of how this steal may have come together. And so they'll read that almost entirely information-free Washington Post article and Ron Wyden's letter or whatever and they'll be like yeah 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 i know the cia collects our data edward snowden told us that 10 years ago but that's all this is and so next time an article comes out about this subject they'll be like oh yeah i already know that and it is entirely possible that the mainstream media and the global communist party the unit party in our federal government and the democrat communist party are going to try to thread the needle on this somehow let out that yes the election actually was stolen but no none of those other things it was only the machines and they only had this little problem it was only this much or that much there's an extent to which they're able to hide this stuff okay and the time for them to be able to do that is shrinking every day there is a window that is closing where they're going to be able to keep this narrative alive and after that point That window will be closed and everything is just going to blast through that window and shatter it. And everybody is going to know that the election was stolen because the election was stolen and even paying a small amount of attention to the actual evidence of that and approaching it with an open mind makes it 100% obvious that it was people are going to feel so stupid for having been lied to for a year and a half and for not understanding that this was going on under their noses and for how they acted and treated the people around them who know far more than they do about all of this stuff. So how do you get through that if you're the media? Well, you've got to massage it very carefully and you have to give it out little piece by little piece, making every little piece feel like it's not very threatening, not a big deal, okay? Listen, guys, yeah, the CIA has been collecting all this data, but they're very careful about how they handle it. And we just found out because this thing just got declassified. But yeah, our letter was 10 months ago. And yeah, of course, we knew that this was happening way before. But, you know, (laughs) we're not going to tell you. Now, if you think that hammer and scorecard is a joke, that it cannot do the things I just described, that's just fine. If you think that Dennis Montgomery is a joke, That's just fine. But right now, I'm going to play a clip from Steve Bannon's war room from right before the 2020 election, and he's interviewing General Thomas McInerney, and attorney Sidney Powell is sitting right next to Steve Bannon in the war room. Now, you can think all of them are conspiracy theorists if you want. I do not think that. Steve Bannon is definitely not a conspiracy theorist. And you can judge for yourself on Sidney Powell and General McInerney. I don't think General McInerney is a conspiracy theorist, not one little bit. And I would encourage you to listen to this. It's going to be nine minutes long. So if you've already heard it or you just don't feel like listening, that's how long it is, and then I'll be back after that. But I think the entire thing is important, and I want to put it out there so people actually hear this and understand that this thing is at play.
4: General McInerney, uh, thank you for joining us on uh, War and Pandemic. You've got some breaking news we've got to talk about. It's one of the reasons we have Sidney Powell over here today, something very disturbing. There's been a site called America, The American Report. It's got a woman named Mary Fanning's done some incredible reporting, particularly about a, uh, a guy named Dennis Montgomery. What is it? Uh, this this thing that's going around about this this project or this system called Hammer? Explain to our audience uh, w- w- what this is and, and why it's why it should be of such concern to people in this current situation that we're in. Uh,
2: yes, I will, Steve. <clears throat> the fact is is that Hammer is a what we call a sigint, a signal intelligence program that the uh, NSA came up with years ago. The uh, CIA picked it up under the Obama administration, and I broke it in April in March of 2017 about what they were doing on the Russian hopes. <clears throat> but the fact is, the Obama administration took this system and they put in an application in this SIGINT program called Scorecard, and Scorecard changes votes at a certain point in the voting stream. And if I can, and by the way, uh, the Obama administration used it in the 2012 election in Florida, and so both Obama and Biden are very familiar with this. Now I've got to make a quote okay. Here. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's important that we all understand it. It's by Joseph Stalin. I consider it completely unimportant who in the party will vote or how. But what is extraordinarily important is this. Who will count the votes? Now, Steve, we have a desperate Democratic Party that will do anything to bring the country to a totalitarian state and as far left as they want. They used it in the primaries and uh, Bernie lost to Biden because they used it in the primaries. So it is ready to go. I just found out about this yesterday. Sydney has played a very important role in assisting me and and Mary Fanning and Alan Jones and trying to get the word out so the American people know all this enthusiasm you're talking about in Pennsylvania gets changed very quickly with this software program that switches 3% of the votes. Okay,
4: hang Hang over a second. General McInerney, I want you to give just quickly your bona fides. Get, get, talk just briefly. Give me a minute for the audience on your career.
2: Okay, 35 years in the Air Force. I ended up the number three man in the Air Force uh, in the headquarters. I had four tours in Vietnam. I commanded the raid on Tripoli in 1986. We attacked Tripoli from uh, my headquarters in England. Uh, I was then the Vice Commander-in-Chief of U.S. Air Force of Europe, and then the Commander of Alaskan Command and Alaska NORAD region. Uh, so I had a very extensive operational uh, career, and uh, I'm in the cloud business now, and that's why I'm so intimately familiar with what hammer and scorecard can do, and nobody knows it. Nobody knows Okay, it. now,
4: I w- also you're one of the most revered, officers in the U.S. Air Force, an unbelievable career. I want to go to Hammer. Hammer was the single most important and the single most sophisticated, basically, system that came up after 9-11 for really intelligence or counterintelligence about radical Islamic jihad and the ability to monitor that. Is that, is that how the beginning of this started? It was a foreign surveillance system that allowed uh, the, the, the the national security and intelligence apparatus to watch our enemies is that is that how this thing started
2: that's how it started steve very sophisticated very very capable and and the fact yeah, is, it, was then, it was then adopted with the software packages like on your iphone to the voting business and it was to be used and it was used in foreign countries and so <clears throat> It was then moved over into the CIA and they started looking at US citizens. That is illegal. The CIA cannot look at US citizens and only the FBI with the proper FISA warrant, etc. Sydney knows all about this, you know all about this. And it is extremely important that this that this was taken out of the CIA when the Obama administration left. They use some Kabuki to get it out. They still have it up and running. We know where it is located. We know it's active tonight. It's active. They've been looking at a whole host of things, as has the DNC, using false IPs. And they are looking around and they are trying to set up this voting thing uh, that happens on Tuesday night. It's going to look good for President Trump, but they're going to change. And that's the danger that America and everybody must
4: realize. Uh, I just want to mention we have got about two minutes here. But in the next segment, uh, Sydney and I are going to drill down on this a little bit more, and we're going to talk about some polling and other things. But I'll hopefully, get you back before the end. Uh, Dennis Montgomery. The last time the audience heard about Dennis Montgomery, he was being uh, rounded up at his house. He had forty-seven hard drives, I think he had taken from uh, from uh, Fort Meade how does dennis montgomery fit into this story
2: he's a genius and he loves america dennis invented him. dennis invented scorecard he's the programmer that made all this happen and he's on our side and at great personal risk as well as he hasn't benefited financially from it. Uh, he is an absolute genius and so he's extremely important to what's going on it would have happened in 2016 steve except something happened to it that night when the obama crowd and the democrats tried to use it i can't talk about that
4: dennis montgomery is like the character of nash in beautiful mind i mean this is one of the smartest programmers ever he wrote this incredibly sophisticated program and, it, and that's why this event in August of 2015, when he was basically gathered up and he had the 47 hard drives, heck, we got one hard drive from Hunter, and we're still going through information. Um, he did this, as we now know, he did, he did this to essentially save his country and expose what's going on. What was he trying to expose? And what should the American people know today on the eve of this election that 250 flag officers sent a, a letter to President Trump said it's the most important including my old boss Tom Hayward who said it's the most important election in the history of the republic what is what is Montgomery trying to tell us what is the message we need to hear today
2: well he's telling us right now Steve that we are on the verge of being compromised through cyber warfare of which he is a master of, the most brilliant person in our country, on cyber warfare, and they have used this. They moved it from the intelligence, a very highly secure program, and they've moved it from there over to political treachery. And that's what it is. When they moved it out of the CIA, they moved it for their political use as they have politicized the intelligence community as we saw in the Russian hoax and what they've done to General Flynn. All these things are in this force that you and Sidney have been talking about that want to change America from what it is. It goes back to the Electoral College, to the Supreme Court. All these things are bundled to change America from being a democratic republic to a totalitarian regime. That means a socialist country which the next step is communism and that's why there can be no agreement between this democratic party and the republican party one choice is freedom one choice is communism it's that simple
4: you're going to be able to stop hammer and scorecard
2: uh, we intend to stop hammer and Scorecard.
4: card sydney powell says it it's would take that to the bank okay future fbi director Sidney powell
1: Now, does General McInerney seem like a liar or a fraud or a fool or someone who can't comprehend what's going on in this field? If you think so, you are welcome to think so. I do not think so. I think General McInerney sounds like he knows exactly what he's talking about and he knows Dennis Montgomery and he knows the capabilities of hammer and scorecard. And you might say, "Okay, yeah, fine. But even if that's what happened, the media is not just going to come out and tell us. And I think that that's a totally valid thought to have, except what is the media doing right now about all of the covid stuff that we've been saying and that we've known is true for a year and a half and two years? They're putting it out in little pieces. The CDC, for instance, has admitted that they haven't separated people who died from covid from those who died with COVID, in any of the statistics, whether it's hospitalizations or anything else. They've put out releases that show the PCR tests don't work, but the media ignores them. They come right out and say that cloth masks don't do anything, except they don't say it just like that. Cloth masks are not really the ideal way to stop something like this. It's really more effective if you use a more high quality medical mask. And they want you to get on N95s and pretend that those are really going to work rather than just saying we lied to you the whole time. And they told us that the vaccines stop transmission and spread and serious illness or death. And it turns out that they don't. And they've admitted all those things down the line. But they still say, no, well, now you just have a lower chance of getting serious illness or death, which is a pretty easy thing to say when Omicron doesn't cause serious illness or death in nearly anyone. And they said the vaccines were very safe and effective. Of course, there are also these occasional side effects that do happen, but it's very rare. It's such a small percentage. We've given out 200 zillion vaccine doses, and there's only been like <laughs> a couple hundred thousand people who have died. But they won't say that. They'll just say that the VARES numbers, well, you can't really trust them. And you can't trust the underreporting factor to give you that couple of hundred thousand. So it's really probably almost nobody. And even in that Reuters article, they say that there is proof of menstrual issues as a result of the vaccine. But they also say there's no evidence it affects fertility, except, of course, we can then look at all of the miscarriage statistics what they call spontaneous abortions and see that, in fact, there is plenty of evidence to believe that they do affect fertility as well. And so what we have is this series of claims that is never ending. I probably listed what, six or seven, but we could go down a list that probably goes to 30 or 50 or 100 different things that we've been told were conspiracy theories the entire time. We were saying them because we had the evidence to say them, but it was too early to say them then. The public's not allowed to know now, so they're a conspiracy theory now. And then later, we're going to tell you one at a time that all of those things actually were right. But we just didn't know the science has evolved. Things have changed. We were telling you the truth then, and we're telling you the truth now. You, on the other hand, were wrong then and wrong now. It's the Scott Adams approach to knowledge. He is always right, even when he's wrong. And then once he's been proven wrong and has to shift his position to the right position, the people who already had that position were wrong back then when they were saying it. And they just got lucky reaching that position. And now they're still wrong because they're stupid in comparison to Scott Adams. And so what I would ask you to think about is this. You might not take as a premise, as I do, that the truth about election fraud will be fully known to the public. I think that is a given. There is no way you can stop this train. It is only gaining momentum. There is only more evidence building to support the claim. And we can see the action in states and courts and whatever else. So if we know it's coming out and they know it's coming out and they do know it's true, you have to remember that all these politicians and most of the media and big tech and whoever else, they have known the truth of these claims the entire time. Mark Zuckerberg and his money were literally involved in stealing the election. So Facebook certainly knows that the election was stolen, but they'll do the fact checks and the cover-ups anyway. So they all know it's going to come out. We know it's going to come out. The question is, if they know it's going to come out, How would they handle it? How would they handle it to keep people addicted to the central narrative and to try to maintain whatever public trust they still hold? And what I'm saying is that this is exactly how they will release it bit by bit by bit by bit. They will never say, oh, yeah, those guys were right. They'll just keep leaking it out steadily and slowly so that everybody thinks it's no big deal and they ignore it. Because what they want ultimately, if the information is going to come out, is chaos, which is why they have all of these other things going on in the periphery, like the Russia-Ukraine thing that they're drumming up again today, trying to say that Russia is about to invade Ukraine. Even during the Olympics, we thought they were going to wait until all the ground froze, but now they're just going to go ahead and do it. And they love distractions. What they want is for the 5% ish of the country that creates mainstream popular culture to be left in the dark, to think none of it's a big deal, to think it's not happening because they will amplify that message to the 15 or 20% of the country that still listens to idiots. And so I don't know all of this to be true, but I think it might be. And I wanted to share it with you. And now you can think about it and see if this makes sense to you, and see if you observe patterns in the world and patterns in the news that connect to this. So I hope you all have a good weekend. Keep sharing the show. I will be on my friend CanCon's live stream tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern if you're home on a Friday night and want to hear us talk about what's happening in the world. Otherwise, I will be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masked and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president.
3: In my mind, that's the end game.
1: Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your dot dot com. And the merch site is cancel dot com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time. Out on the rain.
4: moderator
1: for tonight's broadcast. <laughs> it's high noon!
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram messenger app and going to t.me/imyourmoderator.